Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I'm going to talk about an artist and the title of this talk that is about this artist is Artist Mark Lombardi, Evidentiary Realism and a Conspiracy So Immense. And it's about an artist who passed away March 22nd, 2000. He was born on March 23rd, 1951. And he was an American neoconceptual artist who specialized in drawings that document alleged financial and political frauds by power brokers and the uses and abuses of power. I would say that you can take the alleged out of this bio that I'm reading into the record. Um, he was born in Manlius, New York, just outside of Syracuse, and he majored in art history at Syracuse University and graduated with a BA in 1974. He worked as a chief researcher while an undergrad for a 1973 art exhibit about the Teapot Dome scandal, uh, also that led to Watergate. So he was involved in kind of art as an art history major in his undergrad career. He moved to the Contemporary Art Museum in Houston, Texas, and became uh, worked there for two years until 1976. So he was always kind of a researcher and librarian. And he started a regional artist archive, wrote two books, one on drug wars, the other on panoramas, artistic panoramas. He was also an abstract painter. And in 1996, he moved to Williamsburg, Brooklyn, where he started this kind of new career where he started writing about his art. He, he made these panoramic, sometimes large, some small, but all these interconnecting dots of really what was happening kind of in the world of finance and government connections and political frauds. And there were so many at that time in the 90s, 80s. Covered many of the topics that actually are on my show, uh, such as Nugent Hand Bank. I talked about the Roberto Calvi death yesterday with Chris from Wolf Clan Media. So many of the things that I've gone, gone over and some of the things that I'm interested in, Mark Lombardi was way ahead of the curve and pre-internet as well. So he was using his approach to make these connections in the kind of corporate maze. Uh, and you'll see these pictures. I'll go into a lot of these pictures in this presentation. But I'm going to play a 10-minute 10 10-minute um, 10 video that comes from a documentary that was made about him. The title of that is Mark Lombardi, Art and Conspiracy. And you can see the title on this. If you're looking on YouTube, you can see the title. But I think it's very interesting. There's a lot of information from people about who knew him and some first-person statements about his art. And you can kind of see how he created his art in this 10 minutes presentation of like an hour and 15 minute documentary.
Okay, why don't you play? Let's try this again. The late artist Mark Lombardi was a. Right, sorry about that. I want to tell a detailed story. Um, a story perhaps that had um, some dark passages to it. The late artist Mark Lombardi was obsessed with the highest level of political intrigues. He created elegant drawings that can be best described as a conspiracist's dream. Graphic charts of complete international pathways of money and influence. But somehow, Mark Lombardi's work raises more questions than it can possibly answer. He drew the world. He did a portrait of the world. He doesn't look like the world, but he drew a portrait, a landscape of the world as it operates. The world we're living in now and the world that's yet to come. And that's frightening and fascinating. We are. We're in Mark's future. We are. And his future is fucked up. Just a reminder, this isn't the full documentary. This is just clips that I've taken out. And I will put in the show notes links to the full documentary. You can find it on YouTube. And also show notes to some of the other topics and his art that I will show later on and kind of discuss. In a lot of Mark's drawings at the time, we're looking at them, he's drawing them. We understand. And this is kind of his masterpiece. This is his BCCI. They'll later call it his Guernica, like Picasso's Guernica. And you can see the kind of size that he was able to work and not all of his art was this big. BCCI was huge. So. He, he knew a lot of information, but then it wasn't until the events of like September 11th or even like the financial crisis that you start seeing how his work actually, it wasn't that it was predicting these events, it's that the information was there. And I mean, Mark never talked about people hijacking airplanes and crashing into buildings or anything like that, but he knew about the activities of how these things would be financed who were the people financing who were the people receiving the money who were the you know he really had a a, a vast knowledge of the the networks that would create a scenario like this His work was pretty much showing you the abuses of, of power and some of the same people that you see on the news making trouble in different parts of the world, they, they're all in the works. It didn't necessarily mean I'm an artist, although that's what he was. That was the card that he held out and you'll see that later in the, the He'd hand out the card with his name, Mark Lombardi, that said, 
death-defying works of art and conspiracy, which is what the title of this documentary is. project really for um, four years. Uh, the research started four years ago and, and been drawing for three years. First drawings were done in January of 1994. I was searching for a vehicle that would have the graphic um, uh, the graphic impact of a painting but could convey a story, narrative information. Um, I call these narrative structures. What I do is survey the major published texts. If there's a book about it, or if there's a, a chapter on a book, or uh, a number of citations about a particular uh, development, or bank, or political activity that uh, I'm interested in, I will, first of all, come up with a bibliography. Please Xerox the index and then begin to pick through looking for corporate and uh, names of individuals in whom I have some kind of an interest or I are already in my database. And I will make a card for each one and then go back to the original book and follow the index and transcribe the information that I think is relevant uh, onto the cards, which form a, a database. It's all public information. I am just reprocessing it. I am rearranging it in a, a visual format that's meaningful to me. That's basically what I'm doing. Um, this is one way in which I can map uh, the kind of the, the political and the social terrain you know, in which I live. You can kind of see from here in this this picture that this is how people view his art. They get up close and read all the connections between people. And sometimes there'll be a horizontal line that indicates the year. So it'll be 88, 89, 90, and then names that jut off of that year. And you'll see that in some of the artwork I'll show later. asked him, I said, well, what kind of work do you do? And he specifically said, I collect information. And he starts showing me all his drawings and his books and his index cards and everything. And he just didn't stop talking until like three in the morning, just smoking cigarettes and talking and talking. I was getting into information um, from a number of sources, which I was beginning to get confused by. I couldn't really keep the, the story straight. Uh, was losing track of various connections that I thought were vital to the story. Um, and simply out of um, near sheer necessity, uh, began doing sketches of corporate organizations, hierarchies, and various political structures uh, to keep the information all um, at hand. Uh, Mark didn't make up Iran-Contra. Mark didn't make up. BCCI. Mark didn't make up 
George Bush and the Harkin Energy Corporation. Those are all real things. They really happened. Uh, Mark was reporting on stuff that had gone on, was going on, and no one could see it because everyone had read it, but no one had connected the dots. I hate to use that term because it's so cliche, but Mark literally was connecting information. And we haven't seen the results yet of what he understood. And he would go through like two or three or four or five iterations. So there's like the first rough draft and then he'd make another one, add information, then make another version of whatever subject he was covering. And we'll go through how many works he has. Oh, I guess the way that I work is I work up through versions. Like I call the little sketches first versions. This would be technically a second version. This would be the third version. And then the next larger one would be the fourth version. And every time I do that, um, I'm also adding information. New things come up. Uh, in some cases, these people are still on trial, still being adjudicated. Uh, things are still happening. So I want to keep it up to date. We artists, you know, kind of process the world. It, the core of what I do is research and sketching. Uh, until I've done that, I do not have anything viable to say. And um, so that is really where I get a buzz. That is where my energy is renewed every day because um, I am able to um, deal with issues and information that I think have an impact on my life. And this is my way of coping with it. <laughs> and this is his sister. Do you know if your girls have any of these? No, I don't think I've ever seen them. You've never seen them? No. Death-defying acts of art and conspiracy. He just, he would just giggle talking about these mm -hmm. and hand them out. And actually, um, I just talked about that subject like yesterday. It was Robert Calvi um, in my discussion with Chris from Wolf, Wolf Clan Media. We were talking about Switzerland and all the kind of strange things that happened there. The BCCI piece was so incredibly complex, and there was so much in it. It was it was Mark's Guernica, and anyone who was in intelligence gathering would definitely be drawn to that piece because so much of what led up to 9-11 was in that piece. A lot of the characters, a lot of the players were in that piece, um, whether, whether people know it or not, and they still might not know it. But if uh, the FBI shows up, obviously it's of some import.
And you can see the size of the BCCI piece right here. So this is Mark at the show at PS1. Looks really happy there. And, you know, he's showing his biggest drawing he's ever made. And this is the drawing that he redid after the other one was damaged. And he was just so happy that there were so many people there and everyone was congratulating him. Mark passed away right literally probably days after this photograph. The world that we live in now, where everyone is watching. I don't think he could have he could have lived in this world. I mean, I think there's a, a lot of people who find it hard to live in this world who weren't as aware as Mark was. So that was part of it. I'll put the link into the full show um, in the show notes. But yeah, he was way ahead of his time pre-internet, like I said. And we're going to just go through some of his art. I mean, let's see. Like you can go through. There's a lot of stuff that I'll read out of this. This is from The Nation, published 2016 about the Panama Papers. But it really talks about Mark Lombardi. And the intro a couple of paragraphs are. Oh, we're Mark Lombardi alive today. Two stories broke last week, one by Bloomberg on how a right-wing Colombian hacker who, in league with a Miami-based political consultant, worked to throw elections to conservative politicians throughout Latin America. The second is the year-long investigation by the German newspaper Süddeutsche Zeitung and the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists into the Panama Papers, the leaked 2.6 tera trove of documents from the law firm Mossack Fonseca revealing the dark web of offshore finance. As an artist, Lombardi is famous for trying to find ways to represent financial scandals and conspiracies. Take a look at some of his work found here and imagine what he would do with either the hacker who ran covert teams of coders to execute electronic dirty wars or the information found in the Panama Papers. Lombardi was active through the 1980s and 1990s. And his work was focused on trying to synthesize the information piling up from investigations into scandals such as BCCI, Lincoln Savings, Charles Keating, Iran-Contra, and so on. We can now look back and see those crimes as birthing what we now call neoliberalism, a global political economy defined by deregulated finance and resource extraction and maintained by crime and corruption. So I think that's that's an interesting... I'll put all links to all of these things in the show notes, and you can kind of, if you're interested, look through them. Um, but... We can just go through some of the, I mean, I have tons of information on all his pieces. Like there's a list of pieces that I will link to. Um, let's see. And this is the this is the link to the documentary, Marike Wegener, Wegener. She was the one who directed this one, the uh, Mark Lombardi documentary that you just saw a piece of. But... He just had an incredible list of, of things. This was one. Let's see if I can pull this up. This was based on, yeah. So this is Jerry Bull, Space Research Corporation, and Arms Score of Pretoria, South Africa, 1972-1980. For people who don't know who Jerry Bull was, he was working for Saddam Hussein, trying to uh, create some large kind of howitzer, like a huge weapon that they would point toward Israel. And Jerry Bull ended up dying pretty suspiciously, I think in Amsterdam or something like that. He was going into his apartment and uh, didn't make it. But these are good examples of kind of how he was, 
how he was thinking all these connections people um so that's like that's one piece here i can just read from in, in this drawing the infamous ballistics inventor jerry bull and his company space research corporation are linked with the south african state supported arms development corporation arms score and the names of individuals and events related to both are spelled out neatly Trained as a librarian, Lombardi conducted extensive research on corporations, financial transactions, and politics and filed his findings on thousands of index car cards. <clears throat> and there were, he was murdered in Montreal. Okay, I didn't know that. <clears throat> there were 14,000 index cards that Lombardi had compiled. And the, um, the records of those are somewhere and people have wanted to see them. Like somebody showed up after... 9-11 and wanted to see Lombardi's work and talk to some curators about getting to Lombardi's uh, cards. There's like stories about some of the cards about Bush are missing. Like he did a, a bunch of stuff on Bush and Hark and Energy. And I'll see if I can find that. But uh, those those ones on Hark and Energy supposedly in his cards have disappeared. So yeah, here it is. This is, I wonder if I can get this to enlarge. This is George Bush, Harkin Energy. But you can see how ornate some of these really get. I wish I could pull that up. But that's not going to work. Let's see. I do have some here. So there's Jerry Bull. Um, this is Nugent Hand. I've done a whole show on Nugent Hand. The guy that I talked to uh, was Boot. You can listen to my interview with him about how Nugent Hand operated. <clears throat> this was done in 1996, and you can just see all the kind of things going on. This is actually things of his gallery. So in the documentary, he placed his art with Pierogi Gallery, so P-I-E-R-O-G-I, -E and I'll put the links to their gallery and the stuff in the show notes. And we can go through how much his art is worth right now. Uh, it's worth considerable sum, some of them. Here's World Finance Corporation Miami and Nugent Hand. So you see the connections between those. You can see the two horizontal lines. So he's putting times and dates in there. And it just shows this shady overlaps. I think World Finance went kaput and stole $40 million was missing or something like that. Nugent Hand went belly up and they found, I think one of the, it was a Hand under a fake name in upstate Idaho or something like really crazy stuff. So here's another version, Nugent Handbag, Sydney, Australia. I've talked about that in my past shows. Eatsco, Egyptian American Transport and Service Co., 1979. Um, thanks, Bonnie. I appreciate that. I mean, you just, there's a lot of research. And like I said, I'll put all these links in the show notes so people can go through. Bill Clinton, China Resources. So you see the connections there. That was done. In, I don't know what the date is. <clears throat> Fifth version. Nugent Hand Bank, Sydney, Australia. This doesn't come through very well, but uh, you can find a lot of pieces of his art. And I have a list somewhere. I'm going to pull it out. It's a piece. Nugent Hand, detail. Indian Springs Global. And his research actually overlaps with Danny Casolaro. I've done a show about him. And he was kind of looking into the same stuff Lombardi was. This whole, he uh, Casolaro called it the octopus. I don't know what Lombardi called it. But here's George W. Bush, Harkin Energy, Jackson Stevens, 1999. George Frank 
Gonero, Bank of Bloomfield, State Bank of Chatham, New Jersey. Some of these, I don't even know the stories behind them. Like, I'm familiar with this. So this was kind of his masterwork, was the BCCI one. Um, this is the second edition. So there's other editions of this, which uh, we can go to. Untitled Chicago Outfit. So he was actually looking into old things having to do with Al Capone. So kind of looking at the history of Al Capone, which is interesting. This is Tommy Lucchese. U.S. corporate interlocks. Yeah, like I don't know the importance of some of these. I really don't. First National Bank of Maryland and Associated Traders. First Penn Bank, SRC, in Arms Corps of South Africa. And there was so much shenanigans, if you remember, the savings and loan crisis and things like that. So he's covered this. And this is the fourth version of his BCCI. And then Jerry Bull again. We've already gone through that. World Finance again. And there's a really interesting site. Like this is a, I will put it, it's called Lombardi Networks. And you can kind of go through and the guy, this is all, this is what you can see if you're watching on YouTube. You can see the listing of all of his stuff. And some of these links do not work, but the guy, Torgerson, there's a guy from Germany who's trying to keep all of his, all of Lombardi's works together. So you can kind of go down and some of these I'm familiar with, some of the, the Lincoln Silverado scams, and you can look at it in different, um, you know, you got to think that Lombardi was working pre-internet. So you can look at through it in different styles, uh, circular styles, different graphs, images. Let's see if I can pull up. Some of the links don't work on this, but some do. Yeah, so here is uh, Lincoln Silverado. There's a lot of shenanigans there. A lot of names on there. And in that documentary, they talk about how people were interested in buying Lombardi's work in New York or something, and then found out that they or their friends were in the, you know, in the art itself. So they were, uh, you know, displeased to say the least. Earl Bryan's a known kind of uh, player. Bruce Campbell. Let's see. So, you know, and then you can see the, if you once you go through this, you can see the people who are listed in his art, in Lombardi's art. Bruce Campbell came in Ion's a really fascinating story. That's another one. There's just all kinds of underground stuff that some of these stories people haven't heard about. But these guys are like money launderers and friends of friends of important people. But you know, like I said, some of these I don't know the relevance or connections between some of these groups he seemed to be very interested in south africa um south african kind of parapolitics underground uh money and things like that trafalgar house cementation he was looking at things happening in i think it was uh indonesia Arm score Malaysia Dam Dam project. London, Johannesburg, and Kuala Lumpur. I guess it's Malaysia, not Indonesia. Let's see if I can find some better stuff here. Let's see. I think we already kind of went through that. MoMA. Uh, I'll put the link in here too to the Lombardi stuff. You can see that some became much more ornate and some were smaller. 
This one's titled Butcher's ESM. And I'll pull up, I'm going to pull up the values of some of these are really, I think the BCCI piece is um, worth 250000 or for sale for a quarter million dollars. So it's a significant amount of money. This was First United, Paul Castellano. You can see some of these names, B of A. So he was going through all his books and kind of putting it down and reiterating it. Some of these, I don't know the significance. Hernandez, Cartaya, I don't know who this is. But I think they all, they kind of, the works overlap, you can tell, because even on here it says Santos Traficante, WFC, which is in its own piece itself. But let me get over to see the, the values of some of these works. And unfortunately, they're not really designed for public view, like, they're not opening up into something that you can scan like a PDF. So it's, they haven't really been upgraded into um, upgraded into something really easily viewable, like the MoMA. You can't really open this up and really scan it, in my opinion. Maybe I'm not doing it right, but you really kind of need to get into it. Let's see if I can pull, pull up the Mary Carter Resorts. So Resorts International came up in my conversation with Chris yesterday. So it made me think of the, of, uh, the research that Lombardi had done. Let's see. Yeah, the guy who's doing it, is his name is Robert Tolksdorf. So he's trying to uh, put it together. But let's see. Mary Carter Resort Study involves Donald Trump. You'll see it here and all kind of. There's a listing it from a website called Evidentiary Realism. I don't know what you can. Someone's got to steal my information. Great. Let's see. Images. So I think this is the front. So that's the Mary Carter Results Study, 1994. This is from Evidentiary Realism. The Mary Carter Results Study is a preliminary sketch of a diagram for mapping connections between organized crime politicians and intelligence agencies through the Mary Carter Front Company and casino, casinos in the Bahamas. Mary Carter Paint Company, which operated a national chain of paint stores, was to function as a covert CI money laundering operation. The company was set up in the early 1950s by then CIA Director Alan W. Dulles and New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey, a political functionary in the so-called Rockefeller Re Republicans. In 1958-59, Dewey and a number of associates used CIA funds to buy the Crosby Miller Corporation, headed by Dewey friend James Crosby. After the merging of the companies, the name was changed to Resorts International in 1968, and it ran casinos in the Caribbean. Jim Crosby was an alleged CIA frontman who later founded a private security company called Intertel, whose clients included dictators in Iran and Nicaragua. When Crosby died, his family said that sold the Resorts International to Donald J. Trump. That's what he talked about last night. In 1987, his own memoir, in his own memoir, 
art of the deal, Trump proudly described how he bought his first casino interests when he purchased 93% of the resort's international gambling concern. Mary Carter Resort Study investigates evidence of social, political, and economic transactions. Depicting evidence in the form of networks evokes the interconnection of information as a primary material of investigation. The linking, tagging, archiving, and cross-referencing of fragmented information is used as a creative practice to decode highly complex social and financial relationships. The resulting detailed and delicate geometrical drawings provide a nuanced understanding and immediate visualization of the complexity of global power structures. So pretty interesting stuff. Um, go back to my list and see if I can find that. Panama Papers. What happened to that other one? it's this one trafalgar house there's just a lot there's so much material um but his death was kind of suspicious like if you if you saw the intro video you could tell that he was like happy and alive at at an art showing and then two days later he decided to hang himself on in his apartment supposedly and his mother is very suspicious she says something's wrong like he uh he wouldn't have done something like that. And somebody would said it was about love, but he seemed to be very self-centered at that time of his life that he was really just working on his work. And then after September 11th, an FBI agent showed up at the Whitney museum of American art to consult the drawings of Mark Lombardi. And he wanted to, they wanted to find the connections between Osama bin Laden and various Saudi and American commercial interests. So, uh, the FBI showed up to look into some of the stuff he said. And like people said, they wanted to see his, they wanted to see his, uh, his note cards, which people didn't want to give to him. So that's pretty, pretty remarkable. And as Lombardi's mother, Shirley said, it always bothered me just exactly how the FBI knew it was there. So his mother, who's still alive, I think. Like I said, there's 14,000 cards. Um, let's see. He was also kind of an interest in the JFK assassination. So he read the Warren Commission report when he was young. So he seemed to be a bit precocious, precocious and really kind of knew the, the background of BCCI a lot, which was why that was kind of his number one piece of art. But uh, I'm trying to find that other element. Let's see. Let's see where's that. If I can get back to the Lombardi networks, that's why I say go go back and look through all of the other ones. Let's see Lombardi network. All right, so this guy Tor Torksdorf is digitizing all this stuff. But you just see all these things and they overlap. Chile, Hernandez Cartaya, Zurich, Lockheed, Phil Schwab, Vatican Bank, and Rizzoli. Let's see what this one looks like. So I think he was really he was kind of before his time, kind of like an internet uh, or pre-internet researcher who you know really wanted to try to figure out what was going on in the world. All right, I remember Banco Ambrosiano, so that was it. 
Um, but there's a lot there. I recommend people go look at that uh, documentary. Let me see if I can get those prices up. About if I can find it. Prices of his art right now. Kind of my show notes. Anybody have any questions? You can definitely ask right now. Um. Where's that? Had it somewhere where that I had his his prices of his current art. Oh, here it is. Everything is connected. Interesting. The med had his stuff. That's cool. So this is from a website that I went through to find out how much you know his art was worth. And you can see it here. Like, let's see if I can expand this. Nugentan Bank Sydney is selling for 150 to 200,000. George Bush 150,000. Mary Carter Resort Study 15 to 20. So, those are some of his works for sale on, on some some art piece. Now I'll show some pictures of him. Kind of get an idea of what he looked like. He was like 48 or 49 when he suspiciously died. I think pretty suspicious in my mind. Mark Lombardi And here's here's kind of what, where you can find this documentary, which I, like I said, for the 15th millionth time, I'll put in the show notes. Full title, Lombardi Mark, Death Defying Acts of Art and Conspiracy 2011. And one thing, there is an art book, too, of his uh that I just found out there's actually a Kindle version for $9.99 of the same thing, I believe. But I will put up this art book that's like $150, bucks, which is this. Um, Mark Lombardi, Global Networks, 2004, Robert Hobbs. I guess you can get a used one for $122. But I believe that I just saw that there's actually a Kindle version of it. So I'll try to put that in the show notes, show notes as well. And some of these pictures, I mean, I think the BCCI, I might be able to get this to look good on, on YouTube. Let me see if I can pull this off. You can just kind of see how big this is. I don't know what, what iteration of eh, it doesn't really come through. I don't know what iteration of this it is, but you can see this. The, the center lines have time, uh, dates. So you'll see 70, 76, 78, 79. BCCI and then all that stuff. So 72 to 92, sorry. And BCCI was a massive scandal. Billions of dollars were lost, but tons of shady deals and shady financing, just incredible amounts of, you know, stuff. The other one is Banco Nacional de Lavoro, Reagan Bush, Thatcher, Arming of Iraq, 1979-1990. So he kind of had a handle on a lot of her political sub subterfuge. Subterfuge. Let's see if I can get the Nugan hand up.
How did he collect his information? Good question. He um, was reading a lot. So I think that he really started out as a reader. He was an archivist and researcher in libraries. And I think that he realized that something was happening and he tried to get the grip on it by putting together these works of art um, that are very, you know, they're unique. I don't know if anybody else was really doing anything like this. Although I do think that now on the internet, people are putting together this style of connections and, and doing it digitally. And I think that's what Torksdorf was trying to do is to kind of upgrade these into a digital context. But um, yeah, he has a ton of work. I mean, here's another, and we can just go back and look at this list of all the, all the things that he's done. And some of these, I, I don't know their relevance. I don't know how, what their corruption or finance or things like, I don't have a full, a prime, I mean, I know BCCI, Nugent Hand, all these things, but some of these other ones, I just don't know. But it does over, his work overlaps with my kind of research and my uh, stuff that I've done with about Nugent Hand, Casalero, all these other characters and i'm yeah so there's a list of kind of people he's like eh, you have to kind of put him as like an early suspicious death with castellero in my opinion um, there's a couple other ones too if I, I can't remember who else there was two other kind of researchers who died around that time but yeah i mean kind of at the 41 minute mark and uh i don't really have that much else to go through but I can put all the stuff in. I mean, uh, just to follow up on your question, Bonnie Bell, I can give you an idea about some of the books that he read, which are Theodore Draper's A Very Thin Line, The Iran-Contra Affairs, Tim Wiener's Blank Check, The Pentagon's Black Budget, Alexander Cockburn's Corruptions of Empire, Gary Hectior's Breaking the Bank, The Dev Decline of Bank America, Stephen Heller's Acid Dreams, Joseph Persico's The Lives and Secrets of William J. Casey from the OSS to the CIA, Peter Truwell's False Prophets, The Inside Story of BCCI, The World's Most Corrupt Financial Empire. Gerald James's In the Public Interest, A Devastating Account of the Thatcher Government Involvement in the Covert Arms Trade. Mark Hurl-Holbert's Interlock, The Untold Story of American Bank's Oil Interest and Shaw's Money Debts and Astounding Connections Between Them. Gary Six, October Surprise, Tom Berry and Deb Preuss's The Soft War, The Uses and Abuses of U.S. Economic Aid in Central America. So on and on. But uh, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for uh, dropping in. And I, I just really wanted to kind of get his name out so people could remember this and uh, look into it themselves. You know, there's a lot of work there, a lot of stuff in Lombardi. Maybe you find something that uh, he's worked on that you'll find of interest. So thanks so much for listening. Take care.